you have a copy of God's word, turn with me to Ruth chapter two. We'll continue our study in Ruth chapter two. This morning we'll be looking at verses eight through 17. Ruth chapter two, verses eight through 17. We'll be speaking on the subject, the channel of grace, the channel of grace. We'll see one main thought in our verse range here this morning. We'll see God's gracious provision through Boaz. And uh, as far as the sub points, we'll see a series of actions by Boaz. We'll see his words, that gracious words that he speak. And then we'll see Ruth's response to Boaz's action and his words. And as we close this section out, we'll see that God blesses Ruth with an overabundance of blessing, which points to Christ and the overabundance of blessing we have in Christ. We have grace upon grace, grace that is unmerited. You'll see in Ruth's attitude, which should reflect our attitude as well, that she is grateful. She is humble. She is submissive. She is overwhelmed with the blessings that Boaz richly pours out upon her. And Ruth's attitude is, it should be the attitude that we have, particularly in this time of year, as we think about Christ and his goodness to us how God has lavished on us his goodness in Jesus Christ. So let's look at the text here this morning. Ruth chapter 2, verses 8 through 17. This is, I remind you, this is God's word. Then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that, that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground and said to him, why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your eyes, my Lord, 
for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain and she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. And also pull out some, of the, some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. May God bless his holy word. In Psalm 63, the psalmist says in verses 1 through 3, he says, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My, so, my flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I will lift up my hand. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. I read that section so that I can ask you this question. How do you respond to God's goodness to you? What is your response? Do you think in some kind of way you are deserving of what God has richly and undeservingly bless you with? What is your response? Is your response obedience, submissiveness to his will? Is your response in return to what God has done for you? Is your response turning to others and being a channel of blessing to them? This is a question, these questions we must ponder in our lives as we live among one another. 
are we thankful and grateful for what God has done for us? And is that reflected in the way we live our lives? Is it reflected in the way that we show loving kindness to others in our lives? This is what this section of scripture uh, teaches us through the actions of Boaz and Ruth. Boaz will be a channel of blessing for Ruth. We'll see in our passage here today. And next week, we'll see that Ruth, just as Boaz is, she will become a blessing to Naomi. God is working and providing for Ruth and for Naomi through channels of blessing, through other people. Other people, those who are uh, undeserving, God works through them and demonstrates his loving kindness to his people. God acts, God acts oftentimes in the lives of his people through the lives of others. And this is what we'll see in our, our, our passage. And, and uh, uh, Boaz's response is he is gracious to a foreigner, to a Moabite, to a person who was undeserving, to a person who uh, was not among his people. Boaz responds to God's goodness in his life by being gracious to Ruth. This is such a powerful section of scripture that is illustrating God's attitude toward his people. Beloved, see your God in this passage. See your God's attitude toward you as an undeserving sinner. See your God in his loving kindness to you in Jesus Christ. See him who gives grace upon grace where sin abounds, his grace super abounds. See him in our passage here today and allow his goodness to you to create a thirst for him, a thirst that grows deeper and deeper day by day as you come to know him. See him, take advantage of the truth and run to him. Let's look at God's gracious provision through Boaz. Let us look at our text. Boaz, we have seen as of the clan of Elimelech. And Ruth does not know this. She, she doesn't know that Boaz is kin to Elimelech. And, and, and here it is. We, you remember last week that she happened to come to his field. She happened to come to the field of Boaz, who is a kin of Elimelech. She happened, the writer says, but we know what he is saying is that by God's grace, by God's grace, she has come 
upon Boaz's field. And by God's grace, we will see that God will bless her tremendously through Boaz. Look at verse 8. And then Boaz said to Ruth, now listen, my daughter. This term daughter here emphasizes that there is an age difference in between Boaz and Ruth. Boaz perhaps is old enough to be Ruth's father. And so he, uh, he, he takes a fatherly approach to her. Uh, he says, now listen my daughter and 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 he goes on and he gives ruth permission to glean in his field notice what he says he says then boaz said to ruth now listen my daughter do not go to glean in another field or leave this one what boaz is assuring ruth of is that her place is secure in his field she don't need to go nowhere else to, to find provision. Uh, uh, he, he wants her to stay in his field. Don't leave. Don't leave and go to another field. He gives her security. But he goes on. He says, but keep close to my young women. Many of the field owners would instruct the gleaners uh, to wait until after the harvest. After the harvest is done, after the harvesters are done reaping, then the, the, those who, are, who glean can go to the field and then glean. Boaz is having none of that. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait till the harvest is over. You can glean while the harvest is in progress. Hallelujah. You don't have to wait. You don't have, there is nothing you have to do but glean. <laughs> but enjoy what I've provided. But keep close to my young women. Stay close and glean behind them. You don't have to wait till it's over. Glean behind them. Look at the beginning of verse nine. Uh, Boaz said, let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. This, this is abundant grace. In, in no way is Boaz required to do this. He, he's not required to allow Ruth to follow after the harvesters during the heart. He doesn't have to do that. Boaz is being gracious. He's being generous. His, his generosity here reveals something about himself. Boaz is obedient to God's word himself. He's obedient regarding God's word concerning those who are poor. Proverbs 14 and 31 says this. He who opposes the poor taunts his maker. But he who is gracious to the needy honors him. Listen to this one. 
Proverbs 19, verse 17. One who is gracious to a poor man lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his good deeds. Boy, his generosity reveals his obedience to God's word. Remember last week we looked at Leviticus. What was one of the, uh, the demands that God put in his law for his people? Is that his people, those who have property and growing uh, produce in the fields, that they would open up their fields to the poor. Here is Boaz doing it. He's opening, he's obeying God's word. And because he obeys God's word, God uses him as a conduit of blessing to Ruth. Let your eyes be on the field. They are reaping. And go, this is a command, go after them. One writer noted this in regards to Ruth and the blessing that Boaz is pouring out upon her. He noted Ruth was seeking grace. Remember that? Remember Ruth is seeking favor? Look back at, look back at, uh, let's see, look back at verse number two. Remember this? And Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain after him in whose sight I shall find favor. Has that request been answered? Yes. Yes. Boaz here is asking Ruth to continue to glean in his field. Boaz noticed her by God's grace. She has found favor in Boaz's eyes by God's grace. Boaz asks her to continue to glean in his field by God's grace. Boaz offers Ruth protection by God's grace. Look at the middle of verse 9 where it says, Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? Boaz has already given this command. He Boaz has uh, he, he's assuring her of physical protection. Not only is he he has assured her, her of material blessing. Now he's assuring her of physical protection. He's already commanded this. And, and, and the reason why the. the uh, Perhaps you, because she was a foreigner, men would try to explicit, uh, would try to exploit her and take advantage of her. And this was one of the things that God also commanded in his law. Uh, and, and so Boaz is, he, he, uh, has told, uh, his young men not to touch her. He, he is protecting her. Exodus chapter 22, verse 21 says this, you shall not wrong a sojourner or oppress him for you were sojourners in the land 
of Egypt. So you are not to do wrong to those who are sojourning, those who are foreigners. And notice, Boaz continues. And he says, not only does he provide protection for her, he says, when, and when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Block points out here that in a cultural context in which normally foreigners would draw for Israelites. Ruth is a foreigner. Normally, it would be that she would have to draw water <laughs> for uh, the workers. But he says, in the cultural context in which normally foreigners would draw for Israelites and women would draw for men, Boaz, author, uh, authorization of Ruth to drink from water his men had drawn is indeed extraordinary, end quote. This, this, this goes against tradition. This goes against the way things have always been done. And when you're thirsty, go to the vessels and drink. Uh, normally, an, another thing would be foreigners, particularly, they wouldn't have water available to them in the field. They would have to go somewhere else and get water. They would have to leave the field. Like with Ruth, she would have to leave the field, go to Bethlehem and, and get some water. Boaz says, you don't have to leave. You don't have to leave the field. Stay here gleaning. You don't have to worry about protection. I'll provide protection. You don't have to go get water. I'm going you can get water here. Matter of fact, they, my people are going to draw water for you, my men. Blessing upon blessing. And notice Ruth's response in verse 10. There must be a response. There must be a response to God's goodness in your life. There must be a response to God's grace in your life. If not, then you don't know his grace. Ruth response she was overwhelmed with the grace she received look at verse 10 then she fell on her face she's not worshiping boaz this was a customary uh uh act of respect then she fell on her face bowing to the ground and said to him why have i found favor in your eyes remember that song we just sung and one of the lines in, in the song was that, why should I gain from his reward? Christ's reward. Why, why is, we should be always pondering the fact that God has been gracious and asking God why it is that you have been so gracious to a worm as I. Ruth says, why have I found favor? in your eyes that you should take notice of me since I am a foreigner. Ruth recognizes Boaz's generosity 
he, that, that this generosity that he's showing, he, he doesn't have to do it. And, and, and respectful submission and humility. She shows uh, her, her that, that she is surprised that Boaz is being kind to her, to, to her uh, a foreigner, a stranger, uh, uh, to her who is an alien amongst God's people. She, he's being kind to her who was undeserving. And she recognized, she is surprised by this, overwhelmed by this. And, and again, why does Boaz extend such kindness to Ruth? He's obeying God's word. Leviticus 19, verses 33 through 34 says this. When a stranger sojourners with you in your land, you shall not wrong him. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you. And you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. God keeps directing his people back to what he has done for them so that they can respond in, in light of what he has done for them, they can respond with the same kind of love, the same kind of compassion, the same kind of generosity he showed toward them. Ruth realizes she's undeserving. She, she's undeserving of Boaz's kindness. And we as God's people should be amazed by God's kindness to us in Christ. And turn to Titus, Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3. Look at verses 3 through 6. Matter of fact, we'll start at verse 1. Titus chapter 3, verse 1. <clears throat> remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. Why? Verse 3. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But, <laughs> verse 4, when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared he saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness but according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the holy spirit 
whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. <laughs> we should respond, beloved. We should, be, we should be characterized as responders to what God has done in our lives. The undeserved grace that God has shown toward us in Christ. And in response, we should show and be compassionate to all men. And this is what we celebrate this time of year. This time of year, we celebrate the fact that the loving kindness of God appeared when Jesus was in the world. In the manger, in the manger was the kindness of God, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us. Don't let the world distract you away from God's loving kindness. This season is all about God's loving, undeserved loving kindness to us. And we should be responders to that loving kindness. Look at Boaz's words in verses 11 through 12. Boaz's words line up. Not only his actions line up with his faith. Remember back in verse 4 of Ruth chapter 2, he says, uh, he, when he came from Bethlehem, he said to his reapers, the Lord be with you. And they answered, the Lord bless you. And we see here that Boaz is a man of faith. He's a man who believes God and his actions line up with what he believes and his words lined up with what he believes. Notice verse 11. But Boaz answered her. All you have done, all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. And in, in, in other words, Boaz, he is affirming what uh, Ruth has done. He, he recognizes and affirms the, the, the sacrifice that, that Ruth has, has made. And, and, he also he he knows he he had, he knows who Ruth is and 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 what has brought her to bed. He knows the behind story already, and he commends Ruth. He makes known to Ruth. He doesn't ask Ruth information about herself. He already knows about Ruth, and he makes known to her through his words of inquiry that he is concerned about who she is and her state as a widow, her state being a poor widow. He acknowledges all that she has given up. And, and Ruth display, even in Ruth's attitude here, we see something of our attitude or it should be our attitude when we came to Jesus Christ. 
Boaz, he he acknowledges that she left her father and mother and her native land. And when we come to Jesus Christ, we too must make this type of sacrifice to follow him. Your, your love for Jesus Christ must be seen in the fact that he is supreme. Your love for him is supreme above all other love. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Luke 14, verse 26 says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate or you say love, if you love your father, mother, wife, or children, brothers, sisters more than Jesus Christ, your love for Christ does not look like hate to those of your own family then you cannot be his disciple. He says, uh, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father, mother, and wife, and children, and, and brothers, and sisters, yes, even, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Those are the words of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who demands that our allegiance to him is the priority of our lives. And, and in, in our passage, Boaz, he takes note of Ruth's allegiance to her mother-in-law. And not only that, in the next verse, he recognizes that it's ultimately to the Lord in which she is giving her allegiance. Notice verse 12. The Lord repay you for what you have done and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. God here is seen as a rewarder. Boaz acknowledges God as a rewarder of the faithfulness of his children. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, the writer of Hebrews says, For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. This, 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 uh, this this idea that, that God is, is a rewarder is, is foundational to the Christian faith. Hebrews chapter 11 says that those who come to God not only must believe that he is, but that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Boaz here is acknowledging the, the character of God and directing Ruth to him. The Lord will repay you for what you have done. You, 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 you will be rewarded. And is not God doing that through Boaz? It, it's, it, God is, is, Ruth has made this great sacrifice to leave 
her house, her family, her possessions. She's left everything. She's come. She's come, she comes to Bethlehem in a time of harvest and God is richly blessing her because she chose to trust in him. And beloved, you and I, we will get much in return. We have gotten and we will continue to get much in return because we have forsaken all to devote ourselves to Jesus Christ. The apostles were concerned about this themselves when when Jesus called them and he sent them out in Mark chapter 10. Turn to Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, verses 28 through 30. Here the disciples are pondering. This is after Jesus has uh, encountered the the rich young ruler. And the disciples have heard of Jesus. They heard Jesus' response to him. And they asked the the question, basically, uh, who, who... who then can be saved in a sense? And Jesus said it is difficult, more difficult, how difficult it would be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And his disciples were amazed, uh, verse 24. But Jesus said to them, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for the rich person to enter the kingdom. And they were astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Jesus, verse 27, looked at them and said, with man, it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Even to those who you would think would have a difficult time coming to Christ, Jesus says, All things are possible with God. That person you said is impossible, that God can work. It's impossible that God can save them. Jesus says all things are possible with God. And then Peter, hearing this answer and began to say to him, verse 28, see, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time. Houses and brothers and sisters, and mothers, and children, and lands with persecution, and in the age to come, eternal life. You may have given up everything to follow Jesus Christ, but in following Jesus Christ, you gain everything, in other words. 
you gain everything. Jesus says, you gain houses, brothers, sisters, mothers. The things that you give up is what you gain when you follow Jesus Christ. We sitting here among brothers and sisters, we have gained because we have chosen to follow Jesus Christ. And Jesus says, you also will encounter persecutions as well. And in the age to come, eternal life. But anyone, anyone who comes to Christ and, and, and gives their all, gains all. Any, anything that you give up to, for Jesus' sake and for the gospel will not go unrewarded. And notice that back in our text, uh, Ruth chapter 12, Boaz says, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Boaz recognized that Ruth's radical abandonment of every earthly security, her people, her land, her gods, was a choice she made to trust and to seek refuge. Notice what he says, in the Lord, the God of Israel. And because of Ruth's sacrifice through Boaz, Ruth is experiencing what it means to be a treasured possession of Yahweh. She is being repaid through Boaz richly because of the sacrifice she has made. What a wonderful picture this, this, this is to us. It should give us assurance that if we trust Christ, even if we are experiencing difficulty, nothing will separate us from God's love in Christ, which is more uh, of a blessing to us than life itself. Ruth is experiencing. She's come under the wings. She has taken refuge un under the wings of God and his protection and God is providing for her not only protection but providential material blessings through Boaz and then beloved again no one deserves this Ruth does not deserve what she is receiving and even, at, even though she's a Moabite Boaz is not holding a grudge against Ruth because she is a Moabite. He, he, he's not thinking about or being affected by Ruth's past, who she was in the past. He's blessing her. And, 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 and beloved, in reality, we, none of us des deserve God's grace. Ruth didn't deserve it. None of us stand deserving of God's grace. No, not, no one deserved God's grace. And our challenge is, is, is this, is to reflect that reality. Because there are times when we think that we deserve, we deserve what God is doing in our lives. And because of this, we can be begrudging to others in our attitude. looking down upon them 
perhaps because they're not living up to our standard. Boaz is, he's not being impacted by Ruth the Moabite and, and, and the fact that she's a Moabite. He's blessing her. Look at Ruth's response in verse 13. Ruth expresses here her respect and gratitude for Boaz's favor again to her. Then she said, I have found favor. She says it again in your eyes, my Lord, for you have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. Ruth is grateful for Boaz's kindness to her. She know that she's undeserving and she doesn't even have the standing. She knows this. She doesn't have the standing of one of Boaz's servant girls. Yet Boaz treats her and uh, with with uh, is generous to her. She she feels welcome by Boaz, and she knows that that she doesn't even have a right to that because she does not belong to him. Beloved, can it be said when an outsider comes to this church that they will feel welcome? Ruth is an outsider and she, she feels, she, see, she understands by the action and the words of Boaz she understands his attitude toward her, that he is kind, that he is compassionate for her, that he is welcome, that, that she is welcomed by him. It sounds like the prodigal son who recognized that he didn't deserve the special treatment, that he didn't deserve any special treatment from his father because he had taken what he uh, his his part of the father's inheritance and he went and spent it on righteous living. And he realized that he didn't deserve it. And he remember what he said? I want to I'll go back to my father's house and be one of his hired servants. He didn't even though he was a son, he realized that he did not conduct himself as a son. He didn't, because he didn't conduct himself as a son, he didn't deserve to be treated as a son. And he, we know the story. He goes back and what happens? <laughs> There's a party that takes place. He takes the coat of, of many colors and he puts it, uh, he takes the coat and puts it on his, on his son and he calls for a celebration, give him a, a signet ring. Blessing him who is undeserved. Ruth, as an outsider, reflects the attitude of one who is understands that, that she's undeserving, and yet she responds with thanksgiving. Look at verse verses 14 through 17, and here we'll see an, uh, an overflowing abundance. Boaz, he continues to lavish Ruth with blessings. He invites her to draw near to him. Take note of that, to draw near 
and share a meal with him. Look at verse 14. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come here and eat some bread. Again, this is uncharacteristic of a landowner. He invites her. He says, come here and eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So she sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain. Ruth eats lunch right alongside Boaz and his reapers. She ate, she, she received, she ate, and, and she was satisfied. <laughs> it goes on, it says, and she ate until she was satisfied. And she had some leftovers. We'll talk about that next week. She had some leftovers. Ruth had enough to eat with leftovers. She had a to-go bag. She had a to-go plate. That's how much she had. Again, this is uncharacteristic of this type of work relationship. Ruth ate. And, and some would say that Boaz was the one serving Ruth here. <laughs> and you, do you think it's over? Do you think the blessings are over? Now that the meal is over? Look at verse 15. She rose to glean. Ruth's attitude, again, is something to be noted. Ruth reflects the character of the Proverbs 31 woman who is diligent, who is honored by her husband. Ruth sets a, a great example for young women who are single, that they're, be, they're to be diligent. Bo, Boaz as well. Boaz set uh, an example for young men and, and how they are to be pillars of the community and, 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 and of their, their family. And so it says when she rose to glean, she didn't just sit there and fall asleep after eating. She's full and she gets up and she rose to glean. Boaz instructed his young men. Again, what we get ready to read, he doesn't have to do. He inst Boaz instructed his young men saying, let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not reproach her. Bo Boaz command, commanded his servants to deliberately. He, he, and in, in, in my fact, verse 16, it says, and also pull out, pull out some, uh, some from the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. He, he, he commands his servant to deliberately leave sheaves behind so that Ruth can pick them up. Remember, they were only to, the, it was only a requirement to leave the edges of the field un, uh, unharvested so that those who are poor can come and take uh, freely from the edges of the field. Here it is, Boaz going above and beyond what is required. He's saying, take some of the bonus which we gather 
and drop a little bit, drop some on the ground so she can pick it up. Drop some, and then not only that, Boaz says in verse fifteen, "Do not reproach her. Don't don't say anything bad in any way about Ruth." He he told her workers this. Don't don't you say don't 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 you reproach her. Don't keep her from doing this. What what a blessing. Boaz is going above what the law required, and the scene here concludes by telling us how much Ruth gathered. Look at verse 17. She gleaned in the field until evening. Again, it speaks of Ruth and her character. She gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. Beloved, God has supplied this widow with a super abundance of barley. When Ruth had beat out what she gleaned, what she had gleaned, it was about an ephah of barley, about a half a bushel, about 30 to 40 pounds of barley. After she beat it, Dugat said this of Ruth. He said, she gathered in a day what would have been several weeks of food for the average worker. Several weeks. She's gathered this in a day. Blessing on top of blessing on top of blessing. And this all points to the one who is working behind the scenes, Yahweh. God the Father is at work behind the scenes blessing this widow. God is at work behind the scenes working through Boaz. What a gracious God we have. What a what what a what a compassionate God we have. Ruth understood this. And as she has come under Jehovah's wing, she is enjoying the provision and his, uh, God's providence in the fields of Boaz. Beloved, if you're in Christ, Christ is the field. Christ is Boaz's field. We're in him. If, if you through the Holy Spirit has come to trust in Christ personally for salvation, God blesses you abundantly in Christ. Listen to John chapter 1, verse 16. The disciples said of Christ from, uh, John says of Christ, for from his fullness we have all received 
not just grace, but grace upon grace. John 6 and 35, Jesus says this of himself. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Over abundance. You shall, he says, whoever comes to me shall never hunger and who believes in me shall never thirst. We're talking spiritually. You will be spiritually satisfied when you come to Christ. If you're an unbeliever, why not run to Christ? The world cannot provide you what you will gain in Christ. TikTok, YouTube, notoriety. Being a, a, a YouTube uh you know them people I'm talking about. That will not get you anywhere. Having the latest, posting the latest trend, the latest dance on TikTok and having millions of people follow you will not satisfy you. Jesus says, I am. This is a statement of fact. This is a statement of the right now. I am at this moment. The bread of life. Ephesians chapter one, verse three says this. For those who are in Christ says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has. Hallelujah. Who has blessed us in Christ with every, not some. Who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Boaz reflects God's generosity to us. Boaz reflects God's super abundance to us. Boaz's generosity is a picture of the Lord and his care. For us. And beloved, God's grace to us in Christ is far more than we deserve. We don't deserve it. And this is what makes grace, grace. <laughs> this is what makes grace, grace. We don't deserve it. We should always, because of this, we should always be grateful for God's blessing. And we should always be generous to those who are in need. (laughs) 
See God, beloved. See God in this book. Let us pray. Father, you are so good to us in ways that we don't know. We, we thank you that uh, you relate to us as children. It, it is often through stories told by parents that children come to understand something of the truth about you and the, the, the truth about Christ. And here we have a story, a simple story in the time of judges, in a time when people were doing what was right in their own eyes. We, we have a, we, we have a, a, a group of people who is a light that is shining your goodness in the midst of a people who are doing what is right in their own eyes. It, 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 we, we see in, in, in this story the, the, the reality of, of your saving grace and how it changes. It can change a person from being selfish and thinking of themselves to a person who gives of themselves, who put the needs and the cares and the concerns of others above their own. Father, that is your a, a work of your saving grace. And 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 Father, you uh, you you have in simple ways given us a template so that we can understand, so that e any child can understand your ways toward those who are your children. Father, thank you for understanding us and being so gracious to us and giving us this little book of Ruth, this little book that is so instructive. Thank you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.